Hello everyone and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast hosted by me Andrew and me Rachel. Now please note that this is a true crime podcast so while this caution is always advised we will be in this episode touching on the deaths of several children including infants and babies so if this topic is particularly triggering for you please do turn off now give us a miss and go and spend some time with or do something nice for that someone in your life instead of for an hour. Oh. We would love you to interact with us on our social media platforms. We are active on them, albeit with different frequency, meaning I haven't looked at YouTube for months and TikTok's a pain <laughs> in the backside, but we'll get there. Uh, but I will leave a link to all of them in the show notes. So how have you been, Rachel? Is the year getting away from you yet? I can't believe it's July. And yeah, on the whole, I've been really good um so so yeah all good what about you 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 talk about all the changes in your life since we last recorded yes yes i think rachel's referring to people that we have a new addition to the family a nice retired uh rescue greyhound oh and he's absolutely uh, gorgeous he is he is he uh he gives me kisses every day oh he's so gentle um and i love him to bits even if even if I do have to pick his poo up several times a day. The things we do for dogs slash children. Exactly. Exactly. Give me practice for when we have some little humans on the way, hopefully soon. Aww. So, um, and now I find myself having to ask, with great pleasure, I might add, though. Rachel, are you ready for some true crime? Yeah, I definitely am ready for some true crime, but after the warning that you gave a minute or two ago, I'm not necessarily um, looking forward to this episode, but let's dive in. Yes, there won't really be any jokes or anything this time, um, everyone, but I can sure you can understand why. So if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene. I'd like, like to take us back to 1991. Thursday, February the 21st to be exact, and to the small market town of Grantham in Lincolnshire. It's an historic but small town whose origin is not known, but it is known that it was around in at least 1086 because it was mentioned in a doomsday book. The temperature that day ranged from a low of 1 degree to a high of 7 degrees Celsius. That's 34 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit, so it was a typical British winter day in February. Now, I'd like to introduce you to Chris Taylor and his wife, and I, for the life of me, I couldn't find the name of his wife, but Chris Taylor and his wife, and on this day in February of 1991, they were the proud parents of seven-week-old Liam Taylor. As with all parents, especially of very young children, and rightly so, they were cautious when it came to the health of the baby son, and you would be, you've got a child, you're, I assume that you're extremely cautious. Oh, yes. Now, on this day, they felt like little Liam had a chest infection. So erring on the side of caution, they took him to Grantham District Hospital. He was admitted to hospital as a precaution so he could be monitored and dealt with as appropriately as needed to be. And he was sent to Ward 4 of Grantham District Hospital. Now, you know, I can't speak for other health systems, but in the UK, they're pretty good with, especially with like young babies and children, airing on the side of caution and admitting them even if possibly they don't always need to just to make sure that they can monitor them yeah absolutely can vouch to that and um 
my daughter actually has only recently been signed off from an asthma doctor because of her troubled chest from um, maybe like seven or eight weeks of age um, here. So yeah, for five years, it, it, it literally has just happened in the, in the last couple of weeks that she's been signed off. So for five years, she's had regular checkups with a pediatrician because, uh, you know, it doesn't just the fact that they're seven or eight weeks old, it continues right into, you know, childhood um that they're they're checked upon because you know you just can't be too careful with children they can't tell you that they're poorly um at the time they're poorly so yeah exactly and what makes it even more remarkable is it's not done with the idea of profit in mind because obviously there's a free healthcare system Mm. in the uk so upon arrival at the hospital Liam's father described meeting the nurse on duty at the time, one Beverly Alice, and described his son as poorly, but nothing so bad that his wife and him didn't feel comfortable going home for 90 minutes to sort some stuff out and pick some things up before returning to the hospital and Ward 4 to be with their son. So that's what they did. I'm not sure what the score was in 1991, but I don't think... I would have left my child in the care of um, the doctor and nurse. And in fact, when I have had to stay in hospital, um, I've I've probably not even left her with her dad because, like, I just maybe I'm just one of those mums. But uh, but yeah, I'm not not sure the nicest nurse stroke doctor could come along and it it wouldn't pry me away but that might be knowing what I know now you know the benefit of the last um 30 years of true crime um has taught me otherwise it could be you also got to think possibly it could be out of necessity if they wasn't expecting him to be admitted they could have nothing with them I I guess one of them could have stayed but yeah it's it was a different time back then I know I hate I hate it when I say things like that, but I think it was. No, absolutely. You're right. You're right. It was, you know, a different time 10 years ago. It, um, yeah, it's very, very different. Time changes very quickly in terms of standards and parenting. And, you know, one week you're allowed to do this, the next week, God, no, you're the worst parent in the world if you do that. Exactly. So, So, um, when they returned to the hospital, however, things had gotten a lot worse. The nurse had spoken to earlier, told him that he had been vomiting a bright yellow vomit and they should feel lucky because if he would have been at home, due to his breathing difficulties, he would have died at home. So she said she also had to change his overalls due to all the vomit. Now Liam's father described his son's appearance as lifeless, that he was just laying there, not moving. And you've got to think this is a, um, let me just remind myself, seven week old baby, so to be that sick that like they're just not even making a sound and just lying there. It has got to be quite serious. They both stayed with him throughout the night by his bedside, worried sick, as you would be. Mm. Chris Taylor did say that by the time the morning came, little Liam had improved. He'd even managed to open his eyes and try and reach for a teddy bear. Now, Chris's own words were that his son seemed 100% better. Oh, wow. So Liam's parents continued to stay with him throughout the entire day of the 22nd of February and his father said that he had improved enough that both he and his wife felt comfortable enough to go to sleep in a nearby parents' room in the hospital at about midnight. 
They didn't even leave the hospital again. They just went to where they should have been going to have a sleep. Yeah. So five hours later, in fact, I just want to break that off and give a warning to people that some of the descriptions I have cut very short here because it's not a pleasant thing to talk about. But if you really want all the gory details, give it a Google. Uh, five hours later, the pair were woken up to be informed that their son had suffered a heart attack, which would soon become fatal. Their son died early in the morning of the 23rd of February, a date that they'll never forget, less than 48 hours after admitting him to the hospital. He had a heart attack and it had damaged his brain. Oh my goodness. And can I can I just check as well, in England, I think I have it right, that you have like, if you, well, if you're in a county that or a city or town that's big enough, you have like two or three hospital choices, right? When you go to hospital, you get put, you know, I don't know, north, south, whatever district. Um, it was probably purely by chance that they came across this hospital, wasn't it? Like um, You do get choice of a hospital, right? When, where I was from as a child, Sheffield actually had a children's hospital. Oh, right, children, okay. but, but I know Lincolnshire, and it's not really got any big cities in it. Right. Even, like, the biggest place, Lincoln, is not huge, so... So this would have been their family hospital. Yeah, there wouldn't have been that much choice. Probably where she gave birth as well. That's just awful. Like. So that's a, what happened then? Was this just a sad case of a young life succumbing to an illness? Or was it something more sinister? So I just want to rewind and look at what happened in a little bit more detail. At no point was he expected to die or be classed as critical. Physiotherapists who had helped clear his breathing while he was in the hospital said after his death that they were stunned and devastated that he died. They just wasn't expecting this. When he was admitted to Ward 4, the doctor, a Dr. Harsha Taylor, noted that he had a moderate infection of the respiratory system, but that by the time he saw him in the ward, he was much worse. However, by 9pm when he saw him again, he was much better. One of the physiotherapists I mentioned a moment ago, Jenny Starlin, she was tasked with clearing his airways with suction catheters. Now she made a routine visit to Liam at 9.30pm on the day after the 22nd, less than seven hours before his heart attack, and she said that Liam seemed improved after she had cleared his lungs. She said, though, that she was very surprised when she was summoned hours later and found a very sick Liam. In her own words, he was a very, very poorly baby. And he was, when she was summoned, he was alone with the nurse, a Beverly Allard. So after she had removed the mucus from Liam, she said that he was very much better when she left him at 3am. Jenny Starling did state that Allard had not been using suction catheters on baby Liam. By 4am, Liam had deteriorated again, and the charge nurse on duty at the time, a David Willis, was quoted as saying that he had been asked by Alex for more catheters. When he left the room to order some, he said Beverly shouted at him, saying, Mr. Willis, quick, he's gone all white and blotchy. Wow. But despite the best efforts of a specialist team, as I mentioned a moment ago, Liam died. So that's the 
more detail I'm going to go in um, for any one of the victims that I'm about to mention, just so you wouldn't know why I'm not going into a lot of detail. This wasn't easy to write. Uh, so two weeks later, Timothy Hardwick, an 11-year-old boy with cerebral palsy, was transferred to Ward 4 after he suffered an ap- epileptic fit. Those fits passed while he was on Ward 4, and he was finally able to get some rest, to get some sleep. His breathing and heart rate was being monitored, and both were stable. Within 30 minutes of the last of those checks, the nurse on duty, a nurse Beverly Allitt, raised the alarm. Timothy was in distress, and Timothy was dying. The staff on duty made every effort to restart his heart after it had stopped beating, but they had to admit defeat at 6.15pm, just over two hours after he had been admitted to the hospital and ward for. Three days later, on the 8th of March, Kaylee Desmond, a one-year-old girl, was admitted to Grantham Hospital with a chest infection. She was admitted to ward four. Her nurse was Beverly Alice. Can you see a pattern yeah. forming here, Rachel? Um, yeah, I'm finding myself like getting really angry because you just put your trust in nurses and doctors as soon as you're in these hospitals, don't you? Um, for any anybody in your family, but a, a poor, helpless child. And these are babies. These aren't like fully fledged children that can say anything about the person that's treating them. They're little babies. Yeah, exactly. Shortly after Kaylee entered Ward 4, Nurse Beverly Allitt called for a resuscitation cart. Kaylee's heart had stopped beating. This time, however, the team working on keeping her alive managed to get a heartbeat in the game as she was transferred to a different hospital and a different nurse looking after her. Now, while at the other hospital, medical staff found a needle puncture mark under her arm and an air bubble near the puncture mark. Now, while this was seen as odd, it was dismissed as being caused by a simple human error. Now, while she would live, Katie would be left with lifelong brain damage for the rest of her life. 12 so days is, Sorry. You're probably going to go into Andrew, so sorry, but this nurse is getting needles and whatever drugs she needs and she's going out of her way to inject these not seriously unwell children and babies um but she is mimicking um the effects of like serious illness like um you know heart failure with whatever she is pumping them full of uh, yeah, that's a pretty good estimate. I'll go into more detail later on, but yeah, that's that's, a, that's and, a pretty good guesstimate. And again, I'm not sure I'm jumping ahead here, but what the hell? Like, you know, you hear about serial killers that want to see their victims suffer because, you know, they've been scorned by their mother or their, you know, ex or you know, situations where they just want to cause pain, but what the hell? And this, this, like, this just comes out of the blue in terms of, you know, on a day in 1991, where this, this woman just turns her behavior to this escalation and, and then carries on in quite quick succession with these poor helpless children. Like, it's awful. I've never, I know of the case. 
I know the name, but I've never heard the detail and it's awful. Yeah, I know the case. And if everyone out there is wondering, why are we covering such a well-known case? I mean, we, we can do well-known cases. This is simply because um, as I was a teenager, before I was into true crime or anything, my mum used to come home from work sometimes and always say, I saw Beverly at it today. In the, in the job that she had, she she used to see her. Now, she never went into detail because you don't. But um, And so it's a name that I always knew, but I didn't really know the case, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, wow. And so you that's know, why. When your mum was saying, oh, I saw her, she wasn't saying it because Beverly Allett was a child murderer. She was saying it because she was no, no, she someone was say- that your mum no, would see at work. She was saying that because she was a child murderer. Oh, sorry. So your mum didn't see her in the healthcare setting. She saw her in the other setting. Right. Okay, sorry. Oh, wow. That's why she never went into detail or anything. It's just, so I know mum, you listen to this. This is simply because you always kept mentioning her name and never any detail. So I thought I'd actually look into it. Your mum may have started your true crime obsession. No, I don't think so, but maybe. But she got me listening to Tracy Chapman a lot, so that was a crime against music. Maybe that was it. Um, and Kenny Rogers. Um, so, oh, hey, hey, hey! Don't play. No, I'm not Kenny knocking Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Okay, he's I a legend. Now, twelve days later, on the twentieth of March, nineteen ninety-one, five-month-old Paul Crampton was admitted to Grantham Hospital and subsequently Ward Four with symptoms of a chest infection and he was admitted in, into Alice's care. Paul suffered three hypoglycemic attacks in six days while at the hospital, caused by an overdose of insulin. After the third attack, blood tests revealed an insulin level of more than 500 milliunits per litre, worth noting that Paul was not diabetic. Oh my God. So normal levels of insulin should be in around a 15 or 16 mark, not 500. Now, luckily for Paul, he was transferred to another hospital and he made a recovery. But with life-changing damage, I'm guessing. No, I don't. I, I couldn't find any details, so I'm not sure. Um, it didn't say. Gavin Cayley, who we mentioned previously, she's actually a very brave girl and she was in some TV shows as an older person with her carer, her mother, and they would talk about her and uh, what that she had to go through. So possibly that's why we find out about Cayley, but... I, I couldn't really find much about Paul. Okay. So the very next day, five-year-old Bradley Gibson was admitted to Ward 4 for pneumonia and he was admitted into Alice's care. He quickly started having major health issues, suffering two heart attacks and having to be resuscitated twice. And like just for context as well, pneumonia is bad enough for a parent to watch their child be hooked up to uh, breathing apparatus because they have to get the air into the lungs and like that is like impossible in without the apparatus but then like you know that that's bad enough but then to uh, watch your child like go into cardiac arrest and like all of the twice. yeah all of the equipment that would be the additional equipment I can't comprehend that at all now Bradley survived because he was transferred to another hospital and he made a full recovery. Please now, tell me that the pattern has built to, at this point. Well, actually, that's my very next line. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, I'm putting it here that I wanted to show you a pattern 
because I think, I know we've mentioned it previously, but we can assume the one constant is Nurse Beverly Alex. And so I'm not going to go for it. I've already gone, I've already summarized the details as much as possible, mm-hmm. but I'm even going summarize them even less now uh, okay. because we don't need to because there's more children, unfortunately. But please take it as a given that all the children are admitted to Ward 4 of Grantham Hospital and they were all in the case of Nurse Beverly Alice. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. So Michael Dawson was the next victim on the same day Bradley was admitted. He was submitted to the ward for post-operative care after an air rifle pallet had been lodged into his hand, hand in an accident. Ooh. After, Sorry. Sorry, Andrew. So she's gone from single... Um, single like cases to two now. This is two in a day, right? That she's um administered yes the drugs to. Wow, that like what an escalation as well. Like and this this, that... this yeah this Michael Dawson. It was an air rifle pair in his hand. Um, <laughs> wasn't medical. Yeah, and he had like a small operation to have it removed, but yeah, it wasn't. It's an accident. But unfortunately for Michael, after an increased levels of insulin entered his body, he had cyosis and fell into an unconscious state. Doctors did manage to stabilise him, though, and he made a full recovery. Wow. Now, Yik Hung Chan, also known as Henry, was a two-year-old boy who was admitted to the ward for in a fall. So he fell over. Um, he had an oxygen desaturation attack, which meant his body was deprived of oxygen, and he was transferred, however, to another hospital and recovered. On the 1st of April, Becky Phillips was admitted to the ward with gastroenteritis. After being discharged from hospital, she died two days later. Oh my goodness. Her death was originally thought to be cot death, but oh. it was later found out to be an overdose of insulin. Here's a horrible thing, and this touches me a little bit. Because they thought Becky's death was cot death to begin with, they admitted her twin sister to the hospital as a precaution, even though she wasn't ill. She suffered two unexplained apneoic episodes and had to be resuscitated twice. After the second episode, she was transferred to another hospital and while she survived, she suffered partial blindness, partial paralysis and permanent brain damage due to oxygen deprivation to her brain. Nurse Alice Kerr was deemed to be so good by her parents, they asked her to be godmother to Katie. Oh my goodness, no way. Yes, because you just see Nurse doing well, don't you? So there she is trying to be a saviour. That's the first glimpse that that we're getting of her where she's like trying to save the child, which is making, in my head, a little more sense of where she's coming from here because she's enjoying I'm guessing watching the children take a downwards turn and then I'm guessing hoping that they that she can bring them back to full health maybe quite possibly yeah and so actually Alit agreed to be godmother to Katie it would later be discovered that she had the two episodes because of separate overdoses of insulin and potassium that was given to her Mm. Now, Becky, Katie's twin sister, would not be the last child murdered by Beverly Alice. Claire Peck, a 15-month-old girl, was admitted, admitted to the ward 
on the 22nd of April following an asthma attack. She suffered two cardiac arrests, heart attacks. After being saved from the first one, she died after the second one. So here we have, Rachel, a 59-day time period. She had killed four children, and she attempted to kill nine more. Now, she was only found out because after Becky Phillips had died, the staff at the hospital became suspicious. So many babies were having heart attacks in such a short space of time. So an investigation they, was started. They pull data, don't they? They do, um, after any death in a hospital, they um, they do, well, I guess, yeah, I guess it depends how many deaths, but they do almost like a, a roundup, don't they, of what's going on, if there's any patterns. Yeah. So, it just feels like it was too late in this situation, though. Yeah, so an investigation was started. So, yeah, an investigation was started. She was arrested, taken to court. And she was found guilty of four counts of murder, 11 counts of GBH, and 11 counts of attempted murder. And she was told that she would save life with a minimum term of 30 years. She had already served one year and 190 days on remand, so she would save at least another 28 years and 175 days before being eligible for parole. At she least. Never, she would never get out, don't worry. Um, that time period actually expired last November. What? But I can't, yeah, because it was so many years ago, wasn't it? But I can't imagine she'll ever be released, let alone out into the open. And let, sorry, that time period actually expired last November but I can't imagine she'll ever be released and let out into the open. She's currently in a high-security psychiatric hospital, but if she is ever transferred to prison, if she's deemed fit enough, she could apply for parole, but not before. You can't apply for parole while you're in a psychiatric hospital. Now, I think you agree, Rachel, that this is a despicable act. Not only killing children, but doing it from a position of trust as well. Now, you asked about why she would do this. What was the motivation behind this? And I know this is a short episode, people, but this was really difficult for me to write. Um, so I just wanted to have a look at about why, what a childhood was like mm. and maybe why she got into this. So as a child, she didn't fit into fit, fitting well and she would often feign injuries but not let people see them so she could get attention. Yeah. When she did have real injuries, she would pick at the scars so they would oh. never heal. What now, is it called? Um, I think I'll, I'm getting onto that in a couple of lines. I can't Sorry. pronounce it, so I'm not going to say it when. No, it's all right. I just can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to say it too often. Um, she didn't do well at school, and she left with a handful of qualifications. Her doctor while at school class uh, as having Munchausen by proxy and was prone to self-harm. Munchausen, no, Munchausen syndrome is when a person fakes illness or injury to get attention. Mm. She wanted to become a nurse, so she went to Grantham College to study to be a nurse. During her three-year course, she had a total of 92, 92 days off largely for self-diagnosed illnesses 
in which she would just say that she was sick without going into detail. I mean, how on earth she was allowed to study in a medical setting with that diagnosis is beyond me. Well, she failed most of her nursing exams, Rachel, and she was the only student on the course that didn't get a job on completion of the course. How on earth was she hired? She did apply for numerous positions, but she was constantly turned down due to her poor performance and her poor references. But due to severe lack of staff, and oh despite her exam results, she, would offer, she was offered a six-month contract by Grantham Hospital to be a nurse, almost as like a trial. She had killed, or attempted to kill, all the victims either by injections of insulin, injections of potassium, or by injecting air bulb into the bloodstream, which can cause lungs to collapse. So that is how basically she killed them. And it, she basically did this for attention. She was a nurse looking after the children. And as we've seen from Becky and Katie's parents, all the all parents could see, well, this is a nurse looking after the children when they're really sick, giving them all the attention and making sure that they were getting the best care possible. So, well, obviously they were devastated the children were sick. They was really happy that they had such an attentive nurse who her only focus was on the children. So she was getting, like when she was a child, she was getting attention for illnesses. This time she's getting attention. This time it's Munchausen by proxy. To start with, it was Munchausen. This time it's Munchausen by, pro- by proxy. I think it's fascinating. It just was a difficult one um, to cover. Now, like I've said this a couple of times, I did cut the script shorter than it could have been Mm. because it was really hard for me to write this. It took me a while to write it, and I almost just didn't bother a few times. I think you've done it quite respectfully, though, because um, I I don't think many people will want to hear the level of detail but those that do know where to go out and find it. But I'd just like to say I felt the same when handling that case in um, in Jersey. And uh, it, it's particularly tough to read all of the information on the deaths of children, but to then to have to write about it as well and regurgitate it is um, really difficult. So, yeah, I think you've been uh, really respectful there. And, that was a particularly difficult one to listen to. Yeah, the, the 26 different references that I'm going to put in the show notes. There's lots to read if all of you want to read more. And this is a really famous case. So if you just Google Beverly Alice, you'll find lots and lots about it. Um, so if you're safe to do so, I'd like you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. You've got a loved one that you rush into the hospital. You're worried out of your mind, and the only comfort you can take is that the person will soon be looked after by medical professionals who you know who know how to look after them, but also care for them. But do they? So thank you, everyone. And um, please do get in touch with us also if you want to talk about this or any other case and yeah we're open to suggestions next week we are going to be not next week in two weeks time 
I'll give you a sneak preview. It's a very strange case. Actually, I'm not going to give you a sneak preview. Oh. It's just, it was just a case. I've actually got a sound recording of the killer being really happy afterwards that they killed the person. And you wouldn't believe it by looking at them. But okay, thank you, everyone. Anyway, we're on a bit of a ramble. And thank you for listening. And please do take care. Yep, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.